Welcome back to Out Loud, the Selective Mutism podcast. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Anne, Chelsea's mom. And today we're talking about toileting. It was highly requested for months. (laughs) (laughs) So we're finally doing it. Sorry we're late with the episode. I was actually off to Florida, so we tried doing it remotely, but it didn't work out. I just want to start off the episode with saying, yes, toileting difficulties are related to selective mutism. I just see it all the time where parents are questioning, is it related or is it it a separate issue? It definitely is related to selective mutism. Mm -hmm. There's a few different reasons why I think it's related. I think obviously there's the talking component where if you can't ask to go to the bathroom that's Mm -hmm. gonna create issues but then there's also just the underlying anxiety makes it difficult um as well as sensory issues which a lot of kids with selective mutism struggle with sensory processing as well right and you were saying before that even not only is asking to go to the bathroom difficult but even if the teacher arranged with you ahead of time just go when you need to It was even the issue of standing up in front of the others to go to the bathroom that was caused anxiety. Yeah, it's so much more than just speaking with selective Mm -hmm. mutism, in my opinion. And then Mm -hmm. once you got into the bathroom, there's also issues in there. Yeah. The flushing, the wiping, other people hearing you pee. Yeah. Right, it's just so many different issues surrounding toileting with selective mutism. Yeah. I've had a variety of different stories that have been sent to me about Mm -hmm. people's toileting issues. Um, It seems like um, it's hard to give advice on this when there's so many different issues. So I would say it's super important to figure out why you're having the problem. Mm -hmm. Like figure out if your kid is having sensory problems. Like do they, are they afraid of the loud sounds? Are they have a fear of falling in the toilet, which is actually pretty common. With little kids, do they have fear of people hearing them or looking under the stall, like wiping, hand washing, things like that are related mm-hmm. to sensory issues. And then um, you can also look into make sure it's not medically related. Right. Because if there's something going on, like it's uncomfortable to pee because you have a UTI or you have um, like a tear from holding your ear poop, then that is creating other issues and you need to get that addressed before you can solve that problem. Right. And sometimes it's hard to know what came first. Yeah. Because they cause each other. Yeah. Right. And then you, if it's none of those and it's just trouble asking to use the bathroom, then you need to focus on that part of selective mutism. And sometimes I think it starts with that, but then that leads to other problems. Yeah, definitely. I also... For me, the bathroom, everything related to the bathroom was really embarrassing for me for some reason. Like, I didn't want any kid to even know I went to the bathroom because I was afraid they would make some comment about it. Like, I don't know, kids love potty jokes, and I always found it super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And another thing is I think anxiety, like, the kids, kids with selective mutism are so anxious, and they're so worried about everything going on in their environment that they might not even realize they need to use the bathroom until it's, like, urgent, which is what happened to me a lot. That's a good point, actually. I hadn't really thought of that. It's like you're not self-monitoring your own body. Like, you're not... Because you're nervous about something else, you're not going to realize, like, oh, I need to use the bathroom. Or you procrastinate. 
And I, I can kind of see that too. When you were little, you would like wiggle, <laughs> you know, wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. And I'd say like to Chelsea, do you need to use the bathroom? And you'd say no. <gasps> like you would deny it. Yeah. Because I think I don't part think... of it, I didn't want to go, but. Yeah. But I wonder half of it, if you didn't really realize that you did need to go because yeah. you were focused on something different. Yeah. It was you. I have always been that way where when I need to go to the bathroom, I need to go within the next five minutes. Like it comes on very strong. Like I realize when right. it's urgent. So mm. that's something to consider. But I just think it's important to make sure you know why you're having issues. Right. And I and think, target you know, that. a lot of people, I don't think given the kids enough credit, like talk about it. Just ask, ask them, mm-hmm. you know, I think they know more than we think they do as to why they're not going or what's happening yeah so there's a bunch of different ways we can address each of those problems there's also it seems like some people are having issues where kids aren't toilet trained at all or it's like they're having trouble potty training even in the home which I don't know for most selective mutism families that I've heard from it seems like they are toilet trained but once they get into school or they're out in public that's when the problems are yeah and that kind of makes me wonder too if there's other um diagnosis if there's other you know comorbid diagnoses right yeah obviously you would do have a different intervention for some for a kid that has just like a, a delayed toileting experience Right. Um, compared to a kid who is toilet trained and just has like sensory issues or they're afraid to ask. Right. And I would think that with SM, that's that's the more common is that you're toilet trained appropriately. Mm-hmm. It's um, usually actually it's going to the bathroom outside of the home. That's yeah. the issue. Um, so with you, you were actually um, potty trained. I want to say your last, <laughs> I don't know what terminology we're going to use here. But your last um, bowel movement in your diapers was at 18 months old. Wow. And you pretty much trained yourself in that regard because you do, I think it was sensory, actually. Yeah, it's avoidance of that sensation. Yeah. So you did all the normal, like, you know, hiding behind the counter if you were going to have a bowel movement. But then you were pulling at your diaper. You didn't want it touching you. Yeah. So once you, I just remember 18 months and that was, you were done. So mm-hmm. from then on, you went on the potty. Um, except for urinating. Yeah. And that came, you know, the typical age of like two and a half. Yeah. I want to say with that whole, since we're talking about this diaper thing, um, it is a lot more uncomfortable. That doesn't make sense. It is a lot. Much more uncomfortable? It is, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> it's a lot more uncomfortable to um have an accident in underwear like cotton underwear as opposed to a diaper especially for urine because it just absorbs up so I think a lot of the time especially with families I work with who have autism um kids are not making any progress with toileting because the parents are just keeping them in diapers which you'd think it makes sense because they're trying to avoid the accidents like having Mm -hmm. to change all the clothes but they don't have to avoid that mm-hmm. feeling because they don't feel the wetness so they're like oh I'll just keep peeing in this diaper See, I wonder of... if that's kind of a thing that's changed over time because diapers are so much more effective now like back in the old days people were wearing cloth diapers or then they do like cloth diapers with rubber pants over them oh rubber like pants. way back I was way reading back. about that when, <laughs> for my research for this podcast I was yeah like, what are rubber pants there were actually training underwear sorry yeah. and that's 
<laughs> training underwear is what I used for you. So those are just like really thick padded underwear, but they're uh -huh. cotton cloth. Yeah. So I don't know. I would definitely, this is yeah. what I always tell families. I, if they're still in pull-ups and you're trying to potty train them, I'd say get rid of them. Like maybe yep. if you're going on a long trip in the car or they're wetting the bed a lot and then use then, them, then it's okay. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say not, don't send them to school and I don't yeah. know. That's like the old fashioned way yeah. is just let them run around naked and that way you can see them pee or they know when they're going <laughs> to pee and you grab them and put them on the potty. Yeah. Yeah. But I think part of it might be, you're right, is that diapers are so absorbent now yeah. and the pull-ups, the trainers, all of it. You don't even it. feel it. Yeah. I see that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with you for your potty training, just typical potty training, I mean, we put the potty in the living room in front of the television, and I would just sit you on there with a book while you watched a show, mm -hmm. and then if you happened to pee, we made a huge deal of it, mm -hmm. and then we eventually moved the potty to the bathroom, you know, just typical potty training Shaping. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So anyone out there looking for a reward for potty training or going on the potty, there was a song that we used to sing to Chelsea, and it was called, um, I don't know the name of it, actually, but it was, so, like, you are a super-duper pooper, you go potty with the best. What is it? You're take a big girl a bow. now. No, take a bow, you're a big girl you're, now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're, I don't you know. got it. Anyway, but it is on YouTube. It's really funny. Maybe we can put the link somewhere. Yeah, and I think there was a video, it was called, like, uh, it's Bobby's birthday. Today is Bobby's birthday. No? That's the same movie. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, we'll try to find it and put the link out there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So for, I would have different advice for a kid who is not potty trained at all, but I think for this episode, we're just going to focus on selective mutism where... A child is potty trained at home and they're having issues like they're regressing going into school and having issues mm -hmm. like outside of the home even before school like um when you were little i know just going to the mall mm -hmm. like if you had to use the bathroom that was a huge issue yeah that's what right and the biggest thing sometimes i wonder if what triggered it was the automatic toilet flushers yeah because you were terrified of those so we used to we had a few things we used to do um, I would cover the sensor, although sometimes that didn't quite work, mm -hmm. and the toilet still flushed, and then you flew off the toilet and didn't really trust them, so mm -hmm. that was a huge problem. Um, sometimes I would stand in front of the... You were always afraid that the door would open, too, because some of them... Some the of latches, the locks don't work very well, or if they mm -hmm. have a really big space in between the door right. and people can see in, That's it's true. super, like... Yeah. Yeah. So I would stand in front of the door and I would hold it at the top where the two doors meet or where the door met the jam. Um, so that would make her feel more comfortable to go. Yeah. I think as you get a little older, I stood out in front of the door, outside of the door, um, and you would see my legs through. So you knew I was guarding the door. Mm -hmm. And I think I was blocking the gap. So I think for a, a child who's like really uncomfortable using the bathroom even going inside the bathroom you want to make the bathroom like a really fun place and a safe space mm -hmm. so you want to make sure what we were just saying you want to control all the sound like the hand dryers and the you want to try to um, block off those sensors or use a bathroom that doesn't have one I guess because um, you want if they're totally like afraid of the bathroom you have to 
kind of deprogram that. And a lot of the time we, I don't know, with kids with autism who also have a lot of sensory issues with the bathroom, um, we bring the iPad in the bathroom and we watch movies in the bathroom and that we usually isolate that reinforcer so that they, that's the only place they have access to it. So like you can only watch baby shark in the bathroom and that pairing just makes it a safer space. Like they associate associate the bathroom with like having fun mm-hmm. and now um, everyone has cell phones smartphones yeah. so they could use their smartphone and it doesn't have to be an ipad it could be like a toy or like a song or mm-hmm. i don't know just what about headphones like yeah you know listening to music or something mm-hmm. yeah if you have the sound issues that works too they have those um sound canceling headphones too mm-hmm. um but there's also ways to desensitize to these things because if you're just going to block it out which is something you can do you're never going to get over it so like some someday you forget your headphones like what are you going to do not use the bathroom so we call that shaping or psychology they call it the systematic desensitization so for that it depends what we're trying to desensitize them to but say it's the sound of the toilet you would have them first of all we love our reinforcers so usually an edible or something like that, like their favorite candy or their favorite Mm. snack. And they can earn that. It's kind of like exposures. Like, let's set up, oh, you have to go order order french fries or something. It's the same kind of thing. So you talk with your kid, you're like, today our goal is to walk up to the door and I'm going to go in and flush the toilet and you stay there while it flushes and you earn the candy. And you do that multiple times until they're successful, like, three times in a row. And then your next step is to have them inside the door or with the door open, whatever you think your kid Mm -hmm. is capable of. So So I've done this very gradually with kids, and it works. It's really weird how it works, but eventually, yeah. So you actually have to plan outings just to go practice this. You could, like, make a sticker chart. You could just go to the mall just specifically to do this. Actually, before you went to the mall... You could even just go maybe somewhere that's more familiar that's some a place that they go all the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe McDonald's or something. Or It's even better if you can do this where you're having the problem. Like, if this is at school, if you can figure out a way to go after school when no one's, when no one's there and you can just mm-hmm. take your time and do this, that would be amazing because we know that generalization. Right. We have to do it in the same environment a lot of the time. So maybe if the parent could go to the school before school starts with the child, yeah. practice going into the bathroom. I don't want to be rushed, though. Like, you, it really does take a long time. I've done this at work um, with electric toothbrushes and with going to the bathroom in public, where I literally did what I'm explaining. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, oh, let's walk next to the door and touch the doorknob, and then you get to watch a video, and then we, mm-hmm. yeah, eventually we're inside the bathroom. Actually, when you were um, young and in counseling and we were having this problem, um, she had assigned us to go to anywhere, I think the mall or anywhere, mm-hmm. where there was a big line of uh, bathroom stalls. And we were supposed to have you go in and just flush each mm-hmm. toilet down the line. Yes. Do you remember we've, this? We've talked about this before. We did. This is not systematic desensitization. This is flooding. It's when you do like the most extreme thing all at once. Yeah, we didn't actually succeed. I don't think, yeah, I don't recommend that unless you really have a committed client. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say 
You can do this for kids who hate sitting on the toilet. You can do the same thing. It can be stand inside the bathroom because I have had kids that will not even enter the bathroom. It's like all you have to do is stand in the bathroom for five minutes or even less, like two minutes, and you earn whatever Mm -hmm. you decided on. And then the next step would be stand in front of the toilet. And the next mm-hmm. step would be sit on the toilet. And the pro- you can increase oh. the increments of time. The problem with that is, though, like how can... Because school is the main environment where right. people have trouble with. So it seems like a lot of people have trouble getting the schools to be on board. Yeah. So, like, I'm just... How can a parent... It's going to... I hope it's not. But how can a parent get permission or whatever to get in the school to practice this? Yeah. I definitely think this is something that should be monitored by a professional. I definitely think you can do it on your own if you educate yourself enough, but it's good to have the guidance of, like, your psychologist um, or a behavior therapist if you have one. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. And then I just think that gives you, like, a a foot in the door. Like, teachers are more, or the school is more likely to listen to a psychologist who wants to come work with a kid. Than a parent. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Teachers don't want to deal with all these, like, yeah. toileting problems anyway, so there's incentive for that, too. That's true. I do hear, <laughs> I see a lot of parents saying that the school is saying that their child's not potty trained, but the children are potty trained. It's just that they're going to school and have an accident. Yeah. I mean, if preschool, I think that's pretty normal. Like, usually you're told, bring an extra outfit, put in a cubby. Yeah. But I can see where it's a problem at kindergarten or uh you know, first or second grade. And keep in mind, having accidents is like the most, one of the worst things that can happen to a kid. Like, it's so embarrassing, especially for kids who have selective mutism, because you don't want attention on you. And that definitely gives you a lot of bad attention. I do remember one time I picked you up from after school program, and you were sitting on the floor. And I was trying, I was like, okay, I'm here. Come on, let's go. And you wouldn't get up. And then after much prodding, you did get up. And there was a wet spot where you had been sitting and you had peed. And um, it was because you were sitting with a girl who one time had held you in the bathroom stall. Oh. So I think you were terrified to get up and go. Yeah. I don't, I had a lot of anxiety about the bathroom. Yeah. It's funny though, because I also used the bathroom as a hideout. <laughs> like in the later years like right. early on it was like too scary to go but eventually I would it's like what's worse would you rather give a presentation and or read like a passage out of a book or go hide in the bathroom but that's a separate issue um there's a lot of other things that you may have overlooked like um some kids are really afraid of sitting on the toilet like you can buy those like attachments that make are like a smaller hole so it's less scary Mm -hmm. and there's also like you could put a step stool a lot of kids don't like their feet dangling like they feel too high it's kind of hard to do like in classrooms in public but I think if you're having issues at home that's you should always look at all the variables and if your kid can like verbalize like this is the problem like if they Mm -hmm. can identify the issue like what's making them the most afraid that is helpful and I don't know, flushing, I mean, I don't think you, you never really had a problem flushing at home. It was flushing out in public. Because they're automatic. You. you don't have control over it, mm. I think, is the problem mm. with that. 
I know. I was thinking, what about bringing a piece of duct tape and just covering the Yeah, some people bring sticky notes and they say that works well. Or you can bring Hmm. a piece of paper and some Mm -hmm. people do the laminated pieces of paper in front of it. Mm -hmm. So it blocks it. But I definitely would say it's better to desensitize because they're not going to go away. Like, it's better to familiarize yourself slowly with the sound and Mm -hmm. learn how to tolerate that. And then you're always giving praise and rewards for all these successes, and you should never punish accidents, which people don't seem to understand. Well, I think because parents don't think, somehow parents don't think it's related to selective mutism. I'm saying for every kid, like, reinforcement should be number one um, when you're trying to increase success. Punishment just leads to other problems, like self-esteem problems and just viewing it negatively and it just turns it into a bad thing. The best thing you can do when there's an accident is pretty much ignore the accident and have them, like you don't want to give too much attention to it, you kind of just prompt them to change and you turn it into a teachable moment. It's like if they start having an accident and you can catch them, that is like a great teaching opportunity. And most of these kids don't, they know, like, they don't need to be taught. It's just learning to, um, like, self-monitor themselves and know when they need the bathroom and be able to plan, like, how am I going to get to the bathroom? Because I think a big problem is being able to ask at school. And I don't know why, but, like, at home, I mean, you would actually avoid the bathroom. Like, you wouldn't go on your own. You would hold it and wiggle and, Yeah, I'm like a, a procrastinator. <laughs> I'd rather not, yeah. So I used to have to, like, make you first thing in the morning mm-hmm. before you came downstairs to have breakfast or anything. No, you have to go pee. That's yeah. just what we do. It's good to have scheduled times. Yeah. Yes. So, and then before bed was another one. You'd always try to, like, I don't have to. I don't need to go. So I'd always have to tell you no. Like, before mm-hmm. we go to bed, we're all going to pee. Yeah. But I wonder why, like, looking back, do you know why? Like, I don't understand why you would avoid. I I don't know. Maybe it was attention brought to it. No. Isn't it funny? I just think, like, selective mutism is based off of avoidance. Like, that is you Mm. avoiding speech because you're anxious. It's the same thing. You're avoiding something to escape it in the short term, but then in the long term, it's creating problems for you. It's the same thing with toileting or, like, you have to use the bathroom right now, but you're going to avoid it in the moment, and then it's going to get worse. Mm. I don't know. Maybe they're related. I'm just saying mm. that's interesting. But I think it's, yeah, it's not wanting the sensory issues. I don't know if, I know not everyone has sensory issues with selective mutism, but for me, I, like, hated the hand washing and I hated the wiping. Yeah. So, yeah, you would try And to- sitting on the toilet. I don't know. <laughs> just the whole experience was, like, gross. I know, you wouldn't wipe. Yeah. You'd always called me to wipe. Dad wasn't allowed to wipe. I didn't like having my hands wet either. And I think you were afraid of, like, getting your hands dirty, to be honest. Yeah. Because you would do, if I made you wipe or when I was tried to, like, no, you know, you're getting too big, you need to wipe yourself. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would use a lot of toilet paper. To a not... lot of toilet yeah. paper. Yeah, sensory problems. Mm-hmm. So, I'm trying to think. We haven't really talked about how to get around well not get around but get through the 
asking to use the bathroom or like finding times to go during school Mm -hmm. but I personally think it's good for teachers to have that open door policy even if your kid isn't ready to like initiate getting up to go there's also I think only in younger grades they bring the whole class to the bathroom but that Mm -hmm. was still an issue because the whole class is in there at the same time and you're terrified someone's gonna like peek in and if you have the shy bladder syndrome you don't want anyone to hear you so I don't know I think a lot of the time you can have accommodations, like you can use the staff bathroom if you have to. I think that's better than not going at all. Mm-hmm. Or the nurse's bathroom. Yeah. Maybe find a safe bathroom that the child feels comfortable using. Yeah. And then getting the school on board. Yeah. You can make accommodations like that. Yeah. But again, that's another conversation with the child, like having them pick the bathroom that they're safe, that they yeah. feel safe they to go to. They just want more control over their life. And I think the teacher, a lot of the teachers, you can have like a discussion with a child in private and tell them, you know, if I send you to the office, it's okay for you to then go to the bathroom Mm -hmm. before you come back because you always worried you might get in trouble or do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think if the, you know, if they know that they have permission from the teacher privately, then that, that might help. We also talked before about the like codes or like if you Mm -hmm. raise two fingers you can go to the bathroom or if you put I don't know touching your nose with your finger (laughs) yeah like a sign language type thing um where you don't have to ask because I think while you're not verbalizing which is what you should be trying to work on um this is a problem that it can cause medical (laughs) yeah yeah I think it's a priority yes Um, Yeah, so a lot of, especially girls, can end up getting urinary tract infections, like Chelsea did. She was Mm -hmm. very prone to them. Um, You know, it's just one thing leads to another. So I know for Chelsea, avoiding going to the bathroom, and then maybe if you're on the toilet and something scared you, you would jump off and not fully empty your bladder. Um, The lack of wiping properly you know, maybe leaking urine and having wet underwear, just damp underwear. All of those things make you more prone to urinary tract infections. Mm -hmm. And then that can lead to another whole host of problems as you get older. Yeah, and it all makes the whole bathroom situation worse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think a lot of this is just very similar to everything we talk about with selective mutism, where you just, like, treating the anxiety at the, the root cause just helps every situation. So if you're able to lower anxiety, it's gonna help every situation like toileting so again sticker charts i know we've mentioned them i think probably in every episode but again i think sticker charts is great one of the goals being going to the bathroom you know or flushing the toilet whatever the issue is for your child Mm -hmm. whether i mean you don't even have to start with going to the bathroom you can just do flushing the toilet Mm -hmm. at mcdonald's or flushing the toilet at the mall or go and and wash your hands yeah in the bathroom yeah Mm -hmm. Right. Any of those things are good to get a reward and make you feel more comfortable in the Mm -hmm. bathroom and work towards the goal of going independently. Yeah. And also holding stool. That's another, you know, not everyone, I guess, (laughs) not everyone is, it's related to urine, but also holding stool. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a big problem. That's, yeah. And then kids have constipation from holding it. Yeah. The longer you hold stool, the drier it's going to be, the more difficult it's going to be to go. Mm Mm-hmm. So I guess, I don't know, I always look at that as a nurse. So my answer to that would be feeding high-fiber foods. Mm -hmm. 
um, so that you, yeah, yeah, so that you can't hold it, even if you're trying to hold it. Yeah. Um, so fresh fruits, vegetables, some good high fiber foods that, you know, youngsters will eat. Um, so typically kids are supposed to have, I think between like 20 to 30 grams of fiber a day. So berries, especially raspberries, I think are the highest, um, beans, oatmeal with apple, any vegetables, um, popcorn is another good one, carrots, whole grain pasta, pears, when you leave the skin on, there's a lot of um, fiber in the skin, sweet potatoes, and if your kids will eat them, obviously prunes and figs. Mm-hmm. But that way, I think it's harder to hold it, so you kind of have to go. Yeah. Yeah, we do a lot of that. That's a common issue with autism as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of kids don't like the sensation, I would guess. And they also, for some reason, a lot of kids with autism just have constipation. Mm-hmm. Which, we're not talking about that, but we always recommend they take Miralax and do everything you just said. So that they can't really avoid it. And then the more successful times you have, like the easier it will be in the future. I wanted to talk more about the whole... Because I said, sometimes you're just so anxious about other things and you don't realize you need the bathroom and all of a sudden you're panicking, like, oh no, I have to ask and it's a bad time, like, I can't, it's, like, urgent. So I think it's important to have dry pants checks for the younger kids, which we usually do use, like, an alarm system, but if you're trying to be discreet, they also have these, like, $20 little vibrating watch things. I'm sure you could just use a wristwatch. If it didn't beep or something. Do you mean for the child yeah, or for you? For the child to wear because then they're self-monitoring. It's teaching them to recognize like, oh, let's check in and see. Like it'll buzz. Every, you can set it to any time you want. So you could set it every half hour and then it will buzz. And you talk to the kid beforehand. So they're like, oh, my thing buzz. Do I need the bathroom? And you just check in with yourself. Yes or no. I think that's just a good way to teach yourself or if your kid is older obviously they can read a clock and just check every it's just an easy way to remind yourself kind of like toilet training i mean usually it's like Mm -hmm. every two hours or whatever yeah sit them on the toilet or right i think too with little kids or whatever if you're you know if you have to go urgently then it's good to have some clothes on that kind of make it accessible and not difficult to right um, yeah remove or you know especially if they feel like they have to ask the teacher for help like with their belt like I see that happen a lot of the time like a child with selective mutism is probably not going to ask for help if they have a belt issue if you can make it easy for them to undo their pants Mm -hmm. they're going to be more successful did you get any um specific questions or anything from any listeners any specific troubles that people are having that you can think of I can check (laughs) Another issue people had is wetting the bed at night, um, and pretty much all you can do for this is, again, I I really think that the whole diaper situation should be avoided, because if they can't feel it happening, then you're not going to wake up. It's better to wake up with wet undies and go to the bathroom. I don't know. Being a mom, I'd go for the pull-up. Really? I don't know, but how do you make it a teachable moment? Like, in ABA, if we have kids who 
have accidents like every night so we take data to find out what time do they normally have accidents like oh mm-hmm. this kid has accidents at like 2 a.m every so you try to like withhold fluids before like after eight o'clock or whatever and then you have um obviously this is with overnight staff um but parents are overnight staff so you have your alarm go off right before that um time and you do a bathroom prompt and this kind of just catches it before it happens we used to just say you had to pee before you went to bed every night and if you tried to get out of it or whatever then I would just say not just you specifically but I would say everybody's gonna go pee now Mm -hmm. everybody the whole family's gonna go pee yeah and then that was one way to not single you out or whatever oh we're gonna say that a lot of people I mean Obviously, we already did our medication episode, and people have mixed feelings about that, but a lot of people say that once they start medication, um, they don't have toileting problems anymore, which is just part of decreasing that anxiety, and um, our doc, my doctor actually said that, I don't know, you can explain it better. Yeah, so you had had, Chelsea had uh, frequent urinary tract infections, and we had gone to specialists and everything, so to kind of do retraining of the bladder after. But um, when Chelsea was on medication for her selective mutism, she actually had not had a urinary tract infection for that entire year. So then later, when they started reoccurring again, her pediatrician actually prescribed the same medication just for the fact of preventing urinary tract infections, Mm -hmm. which worked. And it probably had to do with, like, being tense all the time. Like, all that anxiety makes your whole body tense and hold your pee and all that yeah so we they had explained it to me that basically your bladder was so um constricting so often and tense that it was basically acting like a gravy baster Mm -hmm. so just sort of you know sucking up constantly contracting and they're pulling up bacteria or whatever causing urinary tract infections Mm -hmm. Uh, and then when you were on the medication you were relaxed and so that wasn't happening another thing i want to say about this is this is exposure therapy, like, things don't get better without constant exposure, and it's kind of like what we talked about before with our exposure episode, but you have so many opportunities for this, like, I do this with um, my families that I work with. For kids who have autism, if they're afraid to use the bathroom, I'm like, well, why don't we go to Target? We'll use the bathroom there, and then we'll go to McDonald's, we'll use the bathroom there. Like, everywhere we go, that's an opportunity to practice. And whatever level they're at, you can still meet their goal. Like, if their goal is just to go touch the door, like, go touch the door at McDonald's. Go touch the door at Target. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, you need to practice. Like, the more opportunities, the better. Yep, good idea. Or even come in with me while I go to the bathroom. Yeah. If they don't want to, you know, do anything and just... I need to go, so you need to come with me while I go. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of times when you would avoid going to the bathroom, I would just say, well, I'm going to go, or, you know, I need to go. And then while I went upstairs, I could hear you going downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> it. Yeah. You never want to be singled out. That's, like, a big part of selective mutism, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't want to be treated differently, and if someone is treating you differently, it makes you feel even, like... it makes you retract even more like I can't do this so if it's that's the whole like thing about everyone in the class has to go use the bathroom or I don't know some teachers do a class-wide like everyone in the class if you need the bathroom raise three fingers 
so then it's not just you as like a special needs mm-hmm. student it's not like oh you need special accommodations it's everyone in the class does that yeah I guess that gets you there but then it's you would go but not go yeah I know it really depends on right the kid and I know you told me one time you were afraid people would look under the bottom of the mm-hmm. door. And I think if I had the chance to use, like, a separate bathroom, I would have been fine. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of kids can do that now. Mm. I don't know if our school had that. Because it was such an it. old building. I, I don't know if they had, like, the single bathroom stalls. I just didn't think of it. And I think it took me a while to realize that you weren't going at school because... I don't know. I just hadn't thought of it. You were my first child. And, um, you know, after after a while, I kind of clued in because, you, you know, when you got home from school, you would just fly to the bathroom and then you could just hear the, the yeah. pee. So overall, I think it really depends on the root cause. Like try to figure out if there's sensory issues, try to figure out if there's a medical issue going on or if it's just the problem with asking to go. Or if they just don't even know that they need to go. it's They're all going to have different solutions, so you need to figure out what the problem actually is. And the easiest way to do that is just ask your child if they'll tell you. Um, and then I just think shaping is the way to go. Like, you want to desensitize the bathroom as not a scary place and a safe place that they're comfortable to use in the future. Um, I would say never punish accidents. And always reinforce successes. Like, obviously, don't embarrass them and make a big deal out of it. But if it's your goal to use the bathroom at school and they did it, then they earn whatever prize they picked. It's good to improve the self-monitoring. Like, try to get kids to tune into their own body and figure out, like, how often they need to go. Like, are they waiting too long? And having set times to use the bathroom throughout the day so they just get in the habit. I definitely think if you're going to try to desensitize the bathroom, you should definitely do it in the location that you're having the issue. So say your kid is not going at school, try to go before school hours or after school hours and just get them comfortable with going in there and using the bathroom. Maybe you need to engage a, another support person at the school. Yeah, you definitely, I, you always need people on your side with school. Actually, I guess you could fade in once if the mom did it or whatever you could fade in a school worker mm-hmm. to then do it at lunchtime every day or something so at least they're going at least once yep yeah like everything everyone is so individual and it just really depends on the child and what circumstances are that's preventing them from going mm-hmm. and um like you said just baby steps baby steps baby steps until you finally accomplish and practice 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 and reward yeah, to remove the fear. And we wish you so much luck. <laughs> you can do it. It's not going to be forever. That's right. Yeah. It may seem like it's going to be forever, but it'll I, all work out. <laughs> I can now use the bathroom. <laughs> independently. I can do it independently. In- yeah. <laughs> and I actually like the hand dryers now. <laughs> And I like the automatic flushers because you don't have to touch it. It's not germy. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Um, Make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And I apologize for making us late with the episode. Okay, thank you everyone for listening. Tune back in to Out Loud next time.